Shelly, hey, it is good to be with you here on episode three of our season four. How you doing? Good. How are you? <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. We're glad to have you here with us. I am doing great. Thanks for asking. And one of the reasons I'm doing so well is because I'm feeling really healthy because I haven't been drinking on a regular basis. Yes. Yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> and I think you can say the same for yourself as well. Yep. When you uh, aren't doing the regular drinking thing, even if it's just having a beer at night, if you don't do that... You wake up feeling just so much more clear-headed. Uh, There's so many benefits that I'm kind of wondering, why was it so hard in the first place? Yeah, I think that culturally there's so much happening right now around this conversation. That's where, a good thing. Yeah, there's a lot of curiosity. Um, there's a, you know, I, I know a lot of people that have just gone alcohol-free for years um, there's yeah. mocktail bars that pop up. Um, so it's a really kind of fascinating time. And I th I'm glad to have this conversation today. Me too. And I think that the reason that we have shied away from the topic a little bit is because, you, you know, one doesn't want to come across as evangelizing. But nevertheless, yeah. we are going to dive in here because I, you know what? I know that if you are like a lot of people, like if you were like me just a few months ago, you don't really care about hearing about the health effects of drinking. And frankly, you probably don't even care to know. Yeah. Uh, but the fact is that most of us have been drinking more than we want for a long time. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, just to set the table a little bit, yeah. I think this podcast will be most helpful for people who are interested in changing their relationship to alcohol. So in the for, first place. Right. So for people who are like, yeah, maybe I think I drink a little too much or I'm noticing this pattern when I'm stressed or if so, if there's something um, mm -hmm. in your life that you're aware of and you want to change your relationship yeah, to alcohol, like that. then I think, I think we've got something for you here. And then there's some people who don't want to change their relationship with alcohol. But maybe like you just said a minute ago, they're just it's a, a tiny bit curious Yeah, and they've listened to some other podcast episodes. Maybe it was a value because that is what we're trying to do is each and every episode is for you to have real takeaways, real things that you can do with what you're learning here because we're about transformation. And so anyway, a lot of the time when you think about like when you kind of want to do something or you kind of know you're doing something too much and but you keep it fills us with this fancy term, which we've probably used before cognitive dissonance. So we get kind of filled up with some guilt maybe even shame, maybe mm -hmm. that's pushing it a little too far. But, and so, you know, to bring it, you know, it brings it full circle and maybe you really don't think about it. Don't want it. So maybe you like have the cognitive dissonance. Maybe you're feeling the guilt, but you're pushing it down or doing d different things like justification. Like I would do, uh, like I would, like be like, well, I am drinking most nights, you know, um, but I'm working out a whole lot. I'm staying super hydrated and I'm cutting down. I don't drink orange juice anymore and I don't take in any <laughs> unnecessary sugars all in the name of being able to drink that extra beer. Right. 
So I don't know, you know, if you are being honest with yourself, really, really being honest, like, you know, we finally did choose to get honest with ourselves. You know, you probably don't feel entirely in control of your ability to choose whether or not you actually drink. Well, and that's, you know, by nature, that's what alcohol does. Yeah. You know, it is, um, it's a, we, we, it is by nature an addictive substance. And mm-hmm. so, you know, the, mm-hmm. the thought that we can have control, um, and I think on some levels we can, and pe- some people do. Well, um, yes. But when you start learning about what happens in the body and the brain and why, why it's hard to just drink one drink. Or a few drinks and that what happens when you build up that tolerance and why you need more. Like there's physiological effects that, um, you know, by its nature, it's meant to be addictive. One of them is sugar. I mean, sugar alone is hard, is very addictive, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, so anyway, we're not here to evangelize. But we Maybe are a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I would say slow your roll. We're here to share a couple of things. That's how I'm trying to frame this anyway. You know, so first, as coaches, we fully recognize that we have to be doing the very work that we are coaching others in. So if we are trying to help others free themselves from what we call mindless habits, where we don't really think about these things and we just do them and in envisioning the kind of life that they want, that we want, we have to do the work ourselves. So I don't think it's evangelizing. I think that we're like saying, this is hard. This was a hard thing to do and we're going to try to do it. So anyway, perhaps more importantly for our audience about what we're doing is more, you know, we want you to see, to have the same insight or recognition that you are in control of you Yeah, and you can shift your thinking which is, that's the deal is this isn't about holding your breath. This is about shifting your thinking. And then you can experience not only shifts, but actual transformation. And maybe I hope this isn't saying too much too soon, but unlike anything that you ever thought might be possible. Yeah. So are you, are you like, are you feeling it? Are you excited about this? I know you're the one that went hard charging into this uh, area first. Yeah. I think it's important for us just to um, set up a little bit of kind of what our relationship, how those have changed with alcohol. Um, And then any kind of... um, takeaways that we can offer folks. Well, I like we talk the, about I this. love that you're saying that because before we even dive in here, um, I want to say a couple of other quick things about the setup. And it's first of all, right off the bat, you may not even be thinking about it, or maybe you are thinking about this. It doesn't matter what your friends will say or think. Okay. If that's a roadblock, let's just go ahead and clear that out of the way. This is about you. So It doesn't also, by the way, it doesn't matter what your spouse will say or think. Again, just be thinking 
It doesn't matter. You know, what does matter is what you believe and what you think. Mm. So this topic, like any other, it's about beliefs and we have conscious beliefs and we have unconscious beliefs. Mm -hmm. So this is about basically the power of these beliefs, how they shape our thinking and therefore how they shape our actions. What Big Self School is all about all, all the time, self you know, the inner work to the outer impact. And my final little setup point is also, we're not here to offer you tips because you know why? Tips are a dime a dozen, whether they're good or bad. So what is more difficult to come by and why you're listening right now and you value this podcast, I hope, is that we are going to help you find workable ways to apply tips, to actually replace one behavior pattern with another. That's how you actually make the change. So, I mean, because when you learn how to change a habit, it's usually not too hard to decide mm -hmm. which ones to change. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you said earlier that it's hard. This is hard. And, it, and it's yeah. strangely for me, wasn't that hard. I think in my mind, I thought it would be so hard mm -hmm. to stop drinking. And um, strangely, it was not, not nearly as hard. As I thought, really, yeah, hmm. yeah, and I and I want to like give a backstory a little bit. So, please, you know, I probably back in you know ten, twelve years ago, I really I know that my my drinking ramped up, and I you know look at I was in a new job, new career, uh, a high stress environment, and so it makes a lot of sense that you know culturally, I bought into the story that this, you know, and I was working with startups and there's just a lot of alcohol around. And so oh, I just yeah. bought into that's what you do. You drink when you're together. I would come home and I would drink with you. And, um, and there's and, a lot of intensity. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think that that became like a slow burn for me. Like it, it, you know, it never was a problem 10 years ago. Right. And it was like, just became this habit, this kind of unexamined habit that I was conditioned not to really question. And so years forward, fast, fast forward years, I uh, was in that very hard season of my life, which I really do now think was a dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. um, and I was heavily drinking, like really, um, you know, and I've been very open about this, um, easily a bottle of wine a night, if not, you know, w one and a half. And I would get a, a Boda box, so I would get a box of wine and I would just sit it. We have a fridge in our garage yeah. and I would just be out there all night just going to refill it. And so I, mean, I never really knew how much I was drinking, but that's oh, four with the bottles box. in yeah. that box. I mean, so, you know, I think everything is a little relative here. So, you know, you say you were drinking heavily. Were you, what were you doing? Were you like, were you blacking out? Were you like, like, you know, hammering, like destroying hotel rooms? Were <laughs> uh, yeah, you... No, um, no and I, I think that's the thing. That's the insidiousness of oh, it. It's okay. like, it's like, I, you know, you're, I was never quote bad enough, Oh. you know? And I think that's the thing with kind of, um, culturally how we think about alcohol. It's like, if you're not a quote alcoholic, right. Fu with, if you're functioning, then you don't have a problem. And I think for <clears> me, yeah, it's it a was, really low bar. Um, I would often wake up, um, either really hungover or mild hangovers with at least a headache. I yeah. would often wake up in the middle of the night, um, which I've since learned, you know, that alcohol, all of the things that it does to 
your body. Right. Your sleep, it helps you get to sleep, but then when the For alcohol wears off, that's right. At Middle like of the two night. and three in the morning, that's when um, our our alert system kind of comes back online. And so that's why so many of us wake up right in the middle of the night. Um, and so that certainly was happening for me. I think for, um, and for both of us, but you're speaking of like nighttime stuff, I noticed that, you know, like there was a period of time where we would get really crabby with each other right at the very, very end of the night, yeah. almost like right when we're kind of going to bed, we'd get into like a little, just a little thing yeah. and it's not really resolvable. Neither one is th- are thinking very clearly. And, you know, things escalate. A lot of irritability. Yeah. Yeah. Irritability. When you don't don't have that executive function online because of the alcohol, then things do irritate you more easily. Mm, You know, mm -hmm. you don't have um, all all that kind of sensibility is prohibited when you when you're drinking like that. I think for me, the, the most when I look back now at that drinking period, um, it's the things that I forgot. I can't remember the things usually in the evening. Yeah. Conversations. Okay. I can, um, yes. Things happening. And even like, you know, being very aware that I didn't want anything to happen to my kids because I know that I couldn't drive them to the ER. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like that stuff like that. That's, thank God, nothing ever bad happened. But um, it just began to erode my own alertness, awareness, consciousness. Yeah. And I think that was the the tipping point for me was, you know, fast forward to January of this year, I decided to sign up for a program to do dry January. And I was like, I'm just going to do 30 days. And through that program, um, right. really got into the subconscious rewiring. And I was kind of like, when you started doing that, as we were, you know, climbing out, if we just <laughs> celebrated New Year's night, it was kind of a big deal. Uh, and I was like, oh, that's cute. Kind of like, oh, that's cute. Shelly's doing an alcohol experiment. Dry January. Here we, yeah. here we go again. I can really also just wanted to say, I really r- register uh, or th- when I'm about the forgetting what happened the night before, like um, it, it did bother me. Like when you and I would watch, um, even if it's binge purging and you're watching a bunch of episodes of Game of Thrones all at once, it, things are likely to blur. But when you just kind of cannot remember the previous episode or the names of any of the characters, you know, it's telling you something. Right. And and that's just a case in point, like of like things that are happening. You're, you're literally your brain. It's not good for your brain. Yeah. So, So we've learned, you know, and I think everybody has their own stories right around alcohol and, um, and irritability and remembering things and, and, maybe those defenses being down a little bit more. And so I, I and that's part of the culture too, right? The part of the culture of alcohol is like sharing your super messed up story, mm. right? Or there, there's this like, Oh, let me tell you about what I did last night. I was so crazy and I did fill in the blank and it's right. You know? Yeah. I think for me, the shift happened, um, pretty early on in January when I was going through this program. Okay. And it became clear that it was, um, alcohol was clogging my spiritual growth. Oh, yes. That I could not be on a spiritual path or, or 
psychological growth or really raise my own consciousness if I was going to continue drinking. And so I made a decision early on that, okay, I don't want to keep doing this. And then I was like, oh man, how do I stop? Because it is, um, it's it's a physical thing. It's an emotional thing. A lot of people, when they stop drinking that they do, even if it's not like a full on detox, there are physical symptoms and, and emotional symptoms. You know, when you start that unclogging process, there's a lot of repressed emotions that come back. Um, and I, um, I felt really convicted early on. So I knew that I wanted to change my relationship with alcohol. I wasn't sure how. I didn't really know what that would look like long term. Um, it basically consisted of, you know, 30 days of kind of intensive retraining of myself and my brain and how... How do I want to change my relationship with alcohol? So, so when I tell when I talk to people about stopping drinking, anybody that wants to, that's my first thing. It's like you want you have to want to stop. Because I want to add to what you're saying is that yet another. So there's the physical thing we're talking about. Now you're talking about emotional things, mm-hmm. and this is another reason why usually kind of unconsciously in this case we resist the change because it is not easy to suddenly have awareness of the uncomfortable feelings or heightened awareness of the stress going on in our lives. And that's what it was for me is, you know, the decision to stop. I was, I knew I would be inviting the feeling of more stress in my life. And I was, and sure enough, I did. I was like, it was usually, um, you know, by five o'clock, which was my mindless habit of opening up a bottle of wine. Very much so. So I made the decision and I, you know, there's the, the kind of mental, emotional desire to change your relationship with alcohol. And then there's the habit change that has to happen. I like that. Yes. So for me early, it was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm not, I'm not sure how, but I'm going to figure this out. I had to start uh, excavating the, what is, what, what have I bought into that the culture is saying around alcohol? Mm-hmm. What, um, my kind of system that I move and work and live around, what does it endorse about alcohol? You know, there's a whole mommy <laughs> line, yes. you know, cult, subculture, um, like really looking at where, when did I start drinking and why? Like, why? Why did I start? And it really was around stress for me, such a stress reliever. So I knew okay. that I had to figure out a way to supplant the, the wine when I'm stressed. And so I, I don't know if you remember, but back in January, I took a bath almost every night, <laughs> like, like right, around, <laughs> right around that time, right around five. I was like, okay, yeah. so you get in the bathtub and relax. I was like, good, good luck with that. I'm going to go ahead and uh, have my <laughs> yeah, margarita. You weren't, you weren't or, on board at that point. No. But, um, but you do have to think about, you know, if, if this has become such a conditioned stress reliever, it's not the alcohol. It's the beliefs around what the alcohol does for us. I think people would be surprised to find out when you actually do this, or if you've done the 10 day cleanse, or if you've done 30 day, uh, you know, experiments where you're kind of proving to yourself that, and I'm sure that you have for the most part, even without doing any conscious work been like, well, 
I certainly get a lot more done in the evening, you know? Um, But I will say, so we did mention at the beginning that it doesn't matter what your friends think and it doesn't matter what your spouse says or thinks. Well, I mean, of course it it does matter. It's helpful to be around support uh, or with people who are doing what you're doing. Uh, I would say that in a sense, you jumping in and doing this uncomfortable work did, I will, I will give you some props here. It did influence me. We're recording this, right? (laughs) You'll be able to go back to this. Okay. And, uh, you know, it had an influence because instead of us being like, you know, together in, you know, what is it? Solidarity, listening to music out of the back porch, around the fire, drinking some wine and beer, whatever. It's like, well, Chad's all by himself now. You know, um, what, what are you doing? You're Mm -hmm. drinking by yourself. And uh, through enough sheer repetition, you just begin to go like, this is unnecessary. I don't need to do this. I will go ahead. What made you start questioning. I'm glad you were. I was getting right to that. I was about to say, so I don't know that everyone in our audience is necessarily uh, at a point where they're like consciously going, I feel like something's getting in my way spiritually. I want to advance. I want to grow spiritually. That that was mostly it for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what, there's no, there was no obvious problems or there was no hangover. This is kind of what you're saying. It's like, it's, it's insidious. Um, but it was just this like recognition of, Hey, you're getting older. Uh, this isn't, this could not be, but so help healthy for either your body and your organs Can you- or, or your brain. And, and then, but there was a spiritual thing and I was like, I do want to grow and but, but okay. But so most people that we're speaking to right now, maybe you're just in burnout and stress and you're realizing that you want to be healthier and there can be a way to do it that's super positive and activated and literally is a habit change. And that's the, I think what we're speaking to mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is, uh, the habit change follows the, um, I wouldn't even call it motivation, desire, the want. Yes. Wait, and which, which I, follows which? Cause I think habit. desire follows. No, see, I, I think that. Or starts things. Uh, yeah. Because I, I think that until you really have that, that reckoning almost of, I don't want this or I want a different relationship and maybe it's moderation. You know, I, I don't think that's. A, a good option for me. And that's what I tried this year. Right. Leading up to when I decided to do what you did, which is, well, you know. Or mindful drinking. That's yeah. initially what I, I said. I'm going to be, that's I'm right. gonna pursue mindful drinking. Right. Which, whatever that means. Which is like what, like be like super aware of how you're drinking as you're drinking. Right. Well, well, usually that leads to going, this isn't doing much for me. Right. You know? Yeah. I think for me, you know, I, at the beginning of this journey, I was like, okay, I can mindfully watch myself put poison in my body. <laughs> <laughs> you're getting a little, I know, see, that's how you have gotten, you're, I know, you're but, a little. So, so I do think the desire to change, the desire to want a new relationship pre is the precursor for the habit change. Interesting. And, and then I think they do kind of feed off each other because, you know, I did my 30 day 
experiment. And then okay. I was like, you know what? My habits are changing because I have this desire. Oh, I see and what I'm you're saying. And I'm not done. I'm going to do 30 more days. Cart before did, horse, horse before cart. We, I don't, chicken, I think that, egg, I don't know. <laughs> which, which came first. Well, I, you know, you've shared a little bit about your story. Um, I want to share a little bit about mine. Now, I'm going to go way back, but don't worry. This is not a long story from this Enneagram 4. Uh, so I want to say that as I think about it, it may be a little hard to admit, but I've spent more years of my life drinking than not drinking. Kind of, I'm making a scrunchy face as I say that because that's this weird, disconcerting truth. Um, but, I, you know, strangely enough, I think I was actually fortunate to drink as much as I did um, throughout the first well, no, I'm not. I was going to say in in high school, I had some tough experiences, which led to being more educated about it. So I got a. I, this is, I got into a little trouble as a 16 year old um, that involved drinking, and it sent me into a. Basically, I'm going to say still to this day a spiral of overreaction from the authorities. But the end result was that I went into college, as I said, with just boatload of education about alcohol and addiction. Um, way more than I had ever come close to experiencing. Um, but I had done some st stupid things. Your, free, your prefrontal cortex, not completely jamming uh, for a guy at age 16. I'm going to just put it to the generalized <laughs> prefrontal cortex. Um, but it, I'll say this, it did help me in seeing addiction and super bad decision-making. And I saw it in my peers and I joined a fraternity and I went on to live in the frat house my sophomore year. I mean, talk about a dangerous place for addiction and alcohol dependent behavior. Um, and just, it was so normalized. And for a lot of reasons, I decided to leave that fraternity, transfer to a bigger college. And then when I did transfer to Baylor University, I uh, didn't drink, I don't think, a single time my junior year. And the reason I'm using that anecdote is I think, you know, there's a lot of studies that say you are profoundly impacted by the culture that you're in. And it's it's it was amazing. I barely thought about drinking because I was at this Baptist school and surrounded by all of the people that I had met as a transfer, literally no one drank. I just didn't really think about it or pursue it. And it kind of more, or I think I drank a handful of times my senior year, but hardly at all. But let's really fast forward. So drinking became um, a normal part of life in my 20s. Uh, and, but I remember too, we were in graduate school for some of this and we didn't have a lot of money. And that literally kind of constrained some of our drinking habits. Mm -hmm. But then what stands out is like, we are suddenly making more money. We are early parents and we're in a culture of other early parents. We're all kind of under stress with our work and our young kids. And that we, we were in this culture in our suburban neighborhood where we were throwing some parties yeah. like drinking really became habitual we in our third. College with kids. Oh, that's right. That's the the name that we all kind of joke jokingly. About. Yeah. So, and I I want to just add. So I got so into the culture. I wanted to say I got so into the culture of drinking. I became a home brewer. 
you know? And I mean, I brewed, I've brewed 40 batches on my own and perhaps that many with my brother. Um, and to the extent to which we even dabbled in, if it wasn't such a difficult industry, we thought about starting our own brewery. Um, and yeah, you know, hangovers. Yeah. I've had a few, um, gaining weight and starting to develop a beer belly guilty. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but would I have said I had a problem? Of course, definitely not. Um, uh, but you know, it was really hard to do this thing of like, I'm just going to drink two or three nights a week and then not drink. Yeah. We would say that. And then clearly it would, it just rarely really worked. Yeah. So it wasn't like, you know, like I wasn't like, um, you know, like, a, a we weren't like in a rock band destroying hotel rooms. I wasn't running around, you know, knocking over flower pots and, and fine China. Um, but you know, just over the years, I want to put it this way. I began to realize that I really wasn't free. Hmm. You know, no matter, actually, no matter how many positive mindsets, um, I had, I knew that there was always this one thing that, was just kind of, I was like, well, I guess it's just going to be my one vice. Mm-hmm. And we would do the 30 day challenges and we would do those 10 day cleanses just to kind of prove that it really didn't have the hold on us. But then it was almost like holding our breath. And then as soon as that time was over, we would be like, yeah, we would white knuckle it. Yeah. yeah. White knuckling it. So something has really shifted for us in our thinking and that has really helped. Now I'm, you're like kind of thinking you're more like, I don't know if I'll ever drink again. Mm-hmm. And you have absolutely not drank for the entire year of 2022 as of this recording in uh, late September. But uh, I am approaching it in a little bit of a different way. Like I am, I have definitely reframed. I'm not drinking basically at all, but I want to occasionally be able to give myself permission uh, to on a very social night. If it's a fun thing and I'm with other people, I give myself permission to drink in those conditions, but it's still been a massive shift. Yeah. 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 I want to read this quote by Dostoevsky. Okay. So he says, it seems in fact as though the second half of a person's life is made up of nothing but the habits they accumulated during the first half. So I think that there's, this is the, the reset that we often talk about that happens in midlife is a re- that is such a good quote is an evaluation. I know. I love it. And a reevaluation of kind of where we are. Like, do we like the life we're living? And if we don't, how do I go about changing some things? And so much of this is habit formation, is habit change. You know, we're talking about alcohol right now, but I think so much of this applies to anything that we are addicted to or believe we need in order to cope with the stress of our lives. Actually, let me add to that. The realities that we are trying to help you confront with this, we're not addiction counselors, but we, in the same way that we help our clients expose the realities of burnout and midlife issues, is very similar to the reframing and the mindset shifts that can happen when you approach your relationship to alcohol in this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you said earlier, it is so much about kind of the mental part of this, the beliefs, the thinking around it. And I, I do think that that's, um, if, if you're listening and you want, you're really like, okay, I, I want to reexamine 
my relationship with alcohol. That's where I would say it starts. When you feel the urge, you feel the uh, compulsion to drink, the habit, to pause, I mean, literally for five seconds. And then you go into the thinking, into the beliefs. What is, what is happening for me right now that I'm choosing to believe that drinking this or eating this or buying this is the, contains the relief I'm looking for? Because, because it's not true. That's what I want people to know. It's mm. not true. You, we all have come to believe that Preach. We, we need these things, these addictions in our lives, these compulsions to, to make things better, make things happier. And or so, function. So the only way that we kind of course correct is if we go in and we really examine our beliefs around them. And it, it does, you know, this, and it happens at the subconscious level. So these aren't things okay. that we're completely aware of. I really like what you're saying. I really like what you're saying. And it's actually connecting me back to what you were saying about uh, the habit and then the desire follows because in a way what you're doing with the ha- even though we say you can white knuckle it but at least by just purely stopping you're beginning to separate yourself from it a little bit physically more importantly you're able to begin clearly flexing your brain muscle right and as your brain muscle as the mental work begins to get stronger then you actually do begin to get stronger in all of the ways mm-hmm. in, in re-examining more with more perspective. Right. The way that we stop any habit that we don't want is we have to go into the root system of it and examine our beliefs around it. Okay. And so That's once good. you you re- you recognize like, oh, this is a a, uh, impulse. I'm, I'm compelled to do this thing. If you stop, take a break, like r- really understand your belief around it. Mm-hmm. Then you can, within that pause, you can come up with a different belief, a new belief. It's so a good. Turnaround. Like what would a reframe that's a little bit more realistic? This is very cognitive behavioral, but a, a reframe look like? Like, what would I like to believe about this situation? Hmm. What would I like to believe? Well, I'm stressed right now. And mm-hmm. instead of, I need a, a bottle of wine to make me feel better. What I'd like to believe is I don't need that bottle of wine and I have everything in me to help me calm down, to help me feel more in control of my life. It might take a little bit of talking myself into that or really figuring that out. But I want to believe that I have the capacity and I really do. Yeah. And so I think as you do this work, you start to unpack, dismantle maybe the, all the lies that we're told around alcohol. So related to what you're saying, I remember leading up to my decision to say, okay, I'm going to try this 30 day alcohol experiment as well, one day at a time. But I, I was like, As I was drinking, mostly, I have to admit, in the evenings, on my own, um, watching sports or, you know, maybe playing a little instrument or whatever, I began to try to be more mindful, try to be more aware of, like, literally, how am I feeling as I'm pouring the sugar and alcohol into my body? Like, 
am I really feeling oh so more exuberant? Am I feeling oh so great that I just can't do without this? And over some repetitions, I began to go, huh. And that was where I was like, this isn't doing much for me. My tolerance is really high. It's ridiculous how much you have to intake at a certain point to feel any differently. And to your point also, as I began to get separate from from it, and then when I would like kind of like kind of start to idealize, oh, wouldn't it be great to be able to have a drink right now? I was like, well, hold your horses, dude. You know, self one talking to self two. I'd be like, Remember that when you actually did it over and over, you were like conscious of like, yeah, it it ain't all that. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of practice in those very ways can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember too, um, here's another idea. Because mm-hmm. I, as I was shifting my identity around alcohol, I re- someone had said, um, keep the refreshment. No, keep keep the ritual change the refreshment. I loved that. And I did. So I would buy my alcohol-free. I found one one bottle of alcohol-free wine that was tolerable. <laughs> Most of them are terrible. And I would but just... But there are a lot of delicious mocktails. Right. And there's, yeah. And, and alcohol That's a whole other podcast. We, I bring a mixologist on here. Well, to I was going to say alcohol-free beer is, is surprisingly good. So some people are like, oh, you really don't like the taste of alcohol um, if you really admit it. And I'm like, well, actually, no, uh, I like the taste of beer. So occasionally having an alcohol-free beer, it like does do the trick. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, early on, I did have to keep the ritual. So by, at keep five o'clock, I was like, well, here's the habit, opening up a bottle of wine, but it was alcohol free. And then over time, yes. that just kind of unlocked. Like, that helps un- a ton. It didn't, I didn't need the, even the alcohol free anymore. Like it just became kind of a, a non-issue. That helps a ton. So if we're going to give some quick um, like little places to go to to think about this, if you wanted to take it a little bit more um, seriously or specifically, we uh, there is a great Facebook group. What's it called? Non-alcohol f- or alcohol-free? Um, well... Non-alcoholic drink. That is that is a cool forum where they're just constantly sharing good ideas yeah. about what you can do for your alcohol free, and it, it kind of feels good to see other people doing it too. Also, though, the most specifically and importantly, I think is Annie Grace's "This Naked Mind" mm-hmm. the or alcohol "The experiment. Naked Mind." The and it's the, and it, we, that was her. It was their uh, alcohol experiment that um, that we have gone through and with, and they will give you all the data. The alcohol experiment was really, I thought, really effective in the way that like pretty much every defense and every rationalization that you could think about with your relationship, they, they address, address thoroughly yeah. and with science. So you know what? We're going to leave that evangelizing to them. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Unless there is anything that you want to evangelize on. No, I think, I mean, I think if, if you all are serious about examining alcohol in your life, this is a great place to start the alcohol experiment. I think they do it like three or four times a year. It's 30 day reset. But again, the reset's not the 
key, right? The, the reset, the alcohol-free is just, it's the unclogging. And once you yeah. get unclogged a little bit, then you can do the work and really dive into the psychology of it. And I think that the reason they call it the experiment is for that very reason. They want you to consider it as an experiment, not a challenge. Like, just see what happens. And so, and by the way, we've mentioned several times in this episode that we don't want to be evangelizing. And, you know, maybe some people are like, well, what's wrong with evangelizing if you feel convicted about something? And and I hear you on that point. But, but overall, this is why. Because it's not helpful to condemn mm-hmm. our present behavior patterns. That, that doesn't help people make the change that they need to make. Right. So we don't advise you to actually start looking at yourself or, or, you know, or your behaviors as bad. But so what is helpful is what we've been trying to do on this episode, which is to help you to see what function your habits are serving in your life. So then we can better learn, you know, ways to achieve the results that we say we want and that we can then do. So I just think that's important. And I think the final takeaway, um, if this is something you're interested in really diving into, we, we don't specifically address alcohol. But it is habit change is very much a part of uh, the work we do with people. So if this resonates or if you're curious, um, I just asked you to to reach out and let us know how we can help you. Right. And because, you know, actually what may may be hard too with this is that drinking may be a very part of your identity. And that has, there is psychological as well as spiritual work that then does go into play with that. And yeah, we're all about taking you from where you are and don't really want to be to where you want to be. So if you would like to reach out to us for a discovery call, we are all about it. Yeah. So you can always go to bigselfschool.com. You can reach me, Shelly, at bigselfschool.com or Chad at bigselfschool.com. Let us know how we can help. And um, we wish you luck and cheer as you go forth and into your examination of your relationship to alcohol and wish you all the best around that. And as always, we hope that this podcast has brought some value to your time and your life. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Big Self Podcast. You know, our clients come to us with varying degrees of burnout and dissatisfaction. For some, it's thorny and irritating. They know life doesn't have to be so stressful. But for others, it's a code red. They simply cannot continue living the way they are. People depend on them, though, and they just need a change, but they need it urgently. And if you're experiencing stress that is just impacting your work and relationships, we have a package for you. It's called the Burnout Coaching Package, and it's for those ready to address the patterns in their life that keep them covered up in stress. It's for those who dream of more fulfillment and just calm and are ready to do the work 
to make this dream come true. Our coaching, it combines the depth of Enneagram wisdom with sound psychological principles, all to help you grow. With coaching, you have structured and sacred time to do the inner work necessary to make a bigger impact. Our burnout coaching package is a six-month transformation. It'll help you discover the thoughts, emotions, and of course, your behaviors that drive your relationship, especially to your work. So embark on a growth path to create the life you want while honoring the constraints and commitments you already have. Go to BigSelfSchool.com right now and schedule a discovery call.